7.32 nearly. Have fun out there among the stars. So tweeted former US President Barack Obama, one of many to pay tribute. Uh, millions upon millions on their social media accounts. Passing almost unanimously positive tributes to Stephen Hawking. A professor, a cosmo... Well, I, I, I guess we can say a physics or specifically cosmological legend uh, who passed away on Wednesday but seemed to transcend his own area of expertise and filter into just about every walk of life, including entertainment, even the, the Simpsons cartoon. At the age of 21, though, we recall he was diagnosed with the rare motor neurone disease, ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. But unlike most forms of ALS, which would limit a life to just a few years, he was able to go on for decades in that condition. One of the reasons, no doubt, that he became so famous uh, for that condition. Professor Edward Witten from the School of Natural Sciences at the Institute for Advanced Studies at Princeton now joins us on the line to reflect a little bit further on the legacy. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I'd like to ask you, first of all, whether you think Professor Stephen Hawking would have been as famous as he was had it not been for that fateful twist of his own life at the age of 21. That's quite a question. I think he would have been as famous in the scientific world, but possibly his fame would not have spread to the wider public if it was not for the interest in the story of his amazing perseverance at overcoming his handicap. How do you personally remember this giant of science? Well, of course, well, I knew him at the personal level. I met him the first time roughly 40 years ago, and I've interacted with him many times over the years. Also, I know his science, of course. Uh, I have to think first of his science. His accomplishment concerning the quantum mechanics of black holes was quite extraordinary, and we're still grappling with it today, 40 years later, and don't really understand the implications. That was, I think, his most remarkable achievement, but there were many others. He first achieved fame for his insights about the classical physics of black holes, results such as the Hawking area theorem that showed that in Einstein's classical theory of gravity, black holes can only increase in size. So that's his science, and uh, of course I know him very well from his science. I have a lot of memories at a more personal level also. The first time I met Stephen Hawking, I think it was about 1979, at a conference in Britain, and at the time he could still speak with great difficulty. Mm. His students could understand him. To be honest, when I first met him, I couldn't. But after a few days, I was starting to understand him, and I saw that one could learn to. Uh, yeah, was well, was it, I've, he's been described by people as a, a funny man, uh, even in his later he years. Humor, uh, sure. He was able to Definitely. express that humor. Were you able to pick up on that? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, when I heard him talking to a, a wider audience. But when we were talking privately, uh, it was physics, usually. And you have to remember, it was just, even when I first knew him, he could still talk with great difficulty. And then the following decade, it was, and afterwards, it was only with the speech synthesizer, with the help of the computer. But communicating was such a struggle that when we were talking about physics, we weren't wasting time. We were trying to um, focus on what we were talking about. Even relatively recently, 
uh, when he spoke about death, he, he would say yeah. that he felt he had so much more to do. Well, If he'd been granted another 50 years on this earth, was it was he close to another major scientific <laughs> well, breakthrough, do you think? Who knows? He certainly was very active throughout his life and down to the end. We all hope that there is a scientific breakthrough ahead. <laughs> and will he be remembered, as some have said, in a thousand years, do you think, for, for how, you know, in the same breath as Einstein and perhaps uh, the, the likes of Isaac Newton in the past? Well, certainly he'll be remembered for his discoveries about black holes at both the classical and quantum levels. I'm sure about that. Um. <clears throat> I, I would also like to um, reflect a little bit with you on on his unique personality or unique yes. intelligence or what it was about him, apart from his condition, that made him so special. Like There are so many wonderful scientists, I'm sure, like yourself in mm -hmm. the world. What is it that um, leads to a breakthrough like Stephen Hawking was able to do so many times? <laughs> you know, some of his greatest breakthroughs were actually before I knew him, so it's a little bit difficult for me to... Um, say what led to them. I only know, I only know at the level at which such stories are told afterwards. Uh, obviously, he had convictions about what was important, and he stuck with them and worked hard at them. And when he was handicapped and couldn't do many things that most of us do in everyday life, it didn't slow him down in terms of thinking about the physics, scientific problems that he cared about. And he grappled with them, and sometimes he had great success. Do you feel that also part of what made him special was this attempt to, to popularize science, but without actually dumbing it down? Obviously, you can find books like A Brief History of Time on, on bookshelves around the world. Uh, yeah. it, it's not in, they're not in obscure libraries where you have to try very hard to seek them out. Uh, but, but that's it's not exactly easy reading either. So do, do you feel that he was able to contribute in that way, to, to, to bring science to a much wider audience? Obviously, he got many people interested in his story and in what he said about science and about public affairs. Many people listened. Um, was that something, again, to do with his personality? I mean, I only ask you because you are closer to him than probably most of us listening or were able to actually yes. talk with him. Why? Uh, I'm just trying to work out what made him so unique apart from what we all saw of him. Well, I think the combination of the great science and also the tremendous struggle against that handicap made it a compelling story for the wider public and attracted a lot of interest. I remember various other episodes with Stephen. On one occasion, after he gave a public lecture, outdoors there were quite a few people in wheelchairs who, for whom Stephen was one of their heroes. And he was very he was very generous with his time, talking to all of them and um, ever, encouraging everyone to not give up and do their best and persevere. Showing that basic concern and, and care for others then. Um yeah. Obviously, a very important part of his legacy. Speaking of the legacy, have you had time to read through some of the tributes? And, and if so, what do, you, what do you make of the outpouring? Well, I've seen a few of them, both in the public press and also uh, tributes written by scientists. And yes, it is moving, and many of them that I've seen are well done. 
Well, for now, Professor Edward Witten from the School of Natural Sciences at the Institute for Advanced Studies at Princeton. It's a pleasure to to hear from you, especially reflecting on some of your personal encounters with the man himself. Thank you. It's good talking to you. We can continue our, our own reflection on the life of Professor Stephen Hawking now with Professor Gary Horowitz from the Physics Department at the University of California, Santa Barbara. Thank you very much for speaking to us. Uh, thank you for having me. I was speaking in broad strokes just now about the life of, of Stephen Hawking with someone who, who met him. Uh, did, did you ever have any personal encounters? Oh, yes, uh, several times. I had the pleasure of um, collaborating with Stephen on, on three different occasions. Um, I also uh, had numerous visits to Cambridge uh, where I, I, I saw him and, and interacted with him. And I should say he came to Santa Barbara uh, on many occasions as well. So I, I've had, uh, yes, plenty of time to get to know him. It sounds like he was very open to visitors and to interacting with people, even if speaking and communicating uh, sounds like it was uh, more arduous and, and certainly seems like it would be more arduous. Well, it was, but, but physics was his life, and, and he, he loved uh, talking physics with, with physicists. He, that's what he wanted to do. Uh, and he, um, yes, he met me uh, first when I was a postdoc and invited me to, to Cambridge. I, I had the pleasure of spending th- six weeks uh, with him in the early 1980s. Um, and then, uh, yes, he, he was always interested in talking um, to, to people. Um, that's, that's what he loved to do. Coming back to some of the legacies that he will be remembered for, perhaps for thousands of years, as we've uh, just been reflecting on. Uh, there's Hawking radiation, there's black holes, yes. his popular book, A Brief History of Time. What, what is it about his work that's so mind-blowing for you as, as someone who's been so close to him and, and his contribution? Well, his, his discovery of this Hawking radiation, um, first of all, was a complete surprise. It went against everything that everybody thought they knew about black holes, that, that they were black, that nothing could come out. And then Stephen did these calculations and showed that quantum mechanically that wasn't true, that if one used uh, uh, everything we knew about physics, there, there could be radiation. And in fact, there was uh, radiation coming out of a black hole. So the first was a surprise, but, but more importantly uh, was what Stephen then concluded from this, and he raised some very deep puzzles about the nature of black holes and, um, and things that have not been satisfactorily answered even today. So the questions that Stephen raised in the 1970s have motivated and guided a lot of the work in theoretical physics for decades. In that sense, a, a pioneer is someone who was able to actually satisfyingly conclude, for example, the, the formula, which he said in 2002 he'd, he'd even want on his tombstone, that Hawking radiation formula, which, which goes to show yeah. how important he thought it as being. But for many of us, we think about time and space and black holes and, and we hit a mental block, or I do anyway. Um, it just becomes too mind-blowing. How how do you think a brief history of time was able to break through that barrier at least somewhat and become so popular? 
Well, Stephen has a gift to, of explaining um, things very clearly. Uh, I think it was a combination of, of well, the fact that he was um, talking about, I think, topics that are intrinsically very interesting to the public, uh, black holes, the origin of the universe. These are things that, that many people wonder about. Um, so there was some natural curiosity. Uh, Stephen has, and then Stephen was able to explain uh, things uh, very clearly. And I think it was also the story of, of this uh, man with his obvious physical uh, limitations, um, being able to have such, uh, such a great mind and, and, and these incredible ideas that uh, I think inspired people. If someone's listening now, they never had the opportunity to meet uh, Stephen Hawking, they've perhaps never read any of his work, would you say that's the best place to go, a brief history of time, all these years after it was published? Um, it certainly explains, uh, yes, many of his ideas. Um, I probably, yes, that probably still is the best place to start to, uh, to, get, to, to get to know him. And coming back to your own personal reflections, um, I'm curious if there are any particular encounters that you have been dwelling on in the last few days, the last couple of days since hearing the news, any funny or poignant or, or touching moments that can help all of us get closer to him? Well, I, I remember um, a couple of, of things. Uh, when I went um, as, as a young postdoc, um, Stephen was, was very social, and, and there was a party uh, that had been you know, arranged and with a lot of students and postdocs. Uh, Stephen shows up and basically becomes the life of the party. He starts telling jokes. He starts throwing out puzzles that, you know, these uh, young physicists, everybody is trying to solve. And then when we solve it, Stephen will say, well, I have another one, and, <laughs> and threw out another one. And so he, he just loved to, um, and he had a very good sense of humor, and, um, of course, was very quick-witted uh, and, and had lots of, uh, of interesting ideas. Um, another instance that I remember, and this just goes to Stephen's remarkable memory, because, of course, he was doing all the calculation in his head. Um, he was, of course, the location professor of mathematics at Cambridge, uh, post originally, well, uh, also held by Isaac Newton. Um, and Stephen starts to explain this to me one day over tea and says, well, I'm the current location professor, and before me there was uh, so-and-so, and, and before him was, was Dirac. And he just kept going, uh, repeating and re reciting all the previous location professors, uh, going all the way back to Newton, well, uh, which I found very impressive. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, that alone is, is an impressive achievement. But yes. it, it gives us a clue into the kind of mind it was that produced not just incredible scientific breakthroughs, but but scientific breakthroughs that managed to emerge from that particular field to popular knowledge and culture, even if for many years ordinary people like myself will be grappling with the significance. Professor Horowitz, it's been a pleasure having you on the line. Well, it's a pleasure talking with you.